Welcome to the Austin Forum Upload, the podcast of the Austin Forum on Technology and Society. I'm Jay Boisseau, the Executive Director of the Austin Forum on Technology and Society, and I'm here today with Tom Singer, my friend and colleague and the CEO of the Austin Technology Council. Tom, thanks for joining us on the show. Hey, Jay. God, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. I can't believe we haven't done this yet, but I, I hope that every year we do this at least uh, at least once or twice because we really should be talking and sharing our collective insights with the community more, I think. I, I agree with you. I'm all about collaboration. I think that community collaboration and conversations can solve all problems, and I think we need more of that in Austin. Agreed. Um, before we jump into that and our own sort of observations about the tech landscape now, um, how about telling the audience just a little bit about yourself? Uh, yeah, so I've lived in Austin for 32 years. You know, they say that July of 91 is when Austin bounced out of the economic problems of the 80s. And I moved here in July 91. Now, I'm not taking any credit for that, <laughs> but, I, but I bring that up because all I've ever known is this incredible growth of a boomtown of Austin. It's all I've, I've ever seen. And I was 25 years old when I moved here. And so, you know, I tell everybody I grew up with the Austin business community. So I feel very connected to it. I've, I've had an eclectic background, uh, working in a lot of different, uh, places, working for myself for a while, but, uh, I've always had this real kinship to what's going on in Austin. Uh, so when I got here, I, I worked a couple, I was brought here for a company that the job went away very quickly. Uh, and I ended up working at the Chamber of Commerce, selling advertising in all of their publications for several years. And so it was through that job that it exposed me to the business community and the civic leaders who were really looking, you know, 30 years ago at changing the landscape of our, of our business community. And so I've always had, uh, if not not necessarily a front row seat, but I've always had, you know, I've always had been able to look over the fence and see what's been going on. I went on to a couple of different jobs and and I became the marketing director for a big technology a law firm back in about 20 some years ago for uh, a law firm that specialized in tech companies that were growing, getting funded, going public. And for five and a half years at two different firms, I worked with the corporate and securities lawyers, uh, helping raise their visibility in the tech community and getting them involved. And one of the things that happened through that was they asked me to start training uh, classes for lawyers on, on how to network, how to be involved in the community. And I didn't realize it at the time, but eventually that would become what I did for a living. I, I went on to a bank for a while and then a consulting firm. And in 2009, I became a professional speaker. And all I did for 12 years was travel the country and speak to law firms and banks and consulting firms and uh, corporate uh, business associations about how do the people in your organization build their relationships, their network? How do they get involved in the community? And why is that good for the individual and for the company? And I was very fortunate. I created a career out of it and I was on the road about hundred nights a year for 12 years. Uh, it was a lot of fun. And then the pandemic came and the pandemic shut that down. There was no live events. Everybody thinks, oh, well, you just speak virtually. But in my world, I was working for a lot of midsize associations. They, they weren't having meetings. They didn't have any money. They'd lost their sponsorships. And so what happened was, is my, my business went away for two and a half years um, and that's when I joined the Austin Technology Council last year. Uh, I was actually hoping you would add one more thing. Don't you have an interesting side gig hobby that you do? Yeah, that's uh, well, I have a lot of little side things that I do. <laughs> I my, my motto when I turned 50 was try new things, right? My, my goal was to make age 50 to 75 the best years of my life. And it, it got me out of my comfort zone. I think I lived most of my life really doing things that I felt safe 
in. I, I don't think I took really big risks. And people say, well, you started your own business as a speaker, but I was good at it. It was already happening on the side. And so I don't think it felt like a big risk. But five years ago, I started doing stand-up comedy. That's what and, I wanted to hear about. Yeah, I, I knew I knew what you were asking. And I, uh, I've i now done 177 open mic nights, which is just anybody wow. can show up and get up on stage. And I've been a featured comic in 10 shows. That is amazing. I look forward to coming out and seeing one of your shows in Austin. Just keep me updated on when the when they are coming up. I, I don't want to like mislead anybody to make them think I'm really good at it or I'm really funny, but uh, I, I I try and it's a great uh, it's a great experience. I'll tell you what, comedy, it is the hardest use of the spoken word, and so it's actually made me a better speaker. I think it's made me better in dealing with things with the Austin Technology Council because it's hard, and if you fail you know it because the audience doesn't laugh. There's no, there's no sympathy <laughs> applause in comedy. All right. Well, now we should probably get more towards our, uh, our main messages of the <laughs> podcast, but um, why, why don't you share with our listeners a little bit about what Austin technology council is and, and what it does and, and why that's important. Sure. Well, the Austin technology council was founded 31 years ago as the Austin software council. It was actually founded by George Kosmetsky, who is sort of the, the godfather of everything in this Austin miracle that, that we live, right? He was the visionary civic leader who saw what this community could be. And uh, the Austin Software Council soon became the Austin Technology Council. And over the following you know 15 or 20 years, it was really instrumental in bringing the community together. The purpose was to bring the community together to help build the get everybody to help build that ecosystem that we needed in order for tech companies to grow and thrive and then also to put technology on the map as the future economic driver of Austin. Well, we don't have to do that anymore, right? We already have the ecosystem. Everybody knows that our, our economy is driven by tech. So I was hired a year ago to sort of reinvent what is the Austin Technology Council and what will we do serving the community for the next decade plus. And so we're still in the process. Uh, I have a lot of new members on my board. We're still in the process of looking what is that vision. But you know, as Austin becomes larger, more people, geographic spread, we become more bifurcated. So the Austin Technology Council is sort of positioned as that thread that can run through biotech and fintech and large manufacturing and small startups, sort of bringing everybody together to have that one voice. So our vision of what we're working towards is we're trying to work with local companies, uh, multinational companies that are here, government entities and nonprofits to help continue to position Austin as the global leader in technology and innovation. And, you know, we do this, if we do this right, us along working with Austin Forum, along working with uh, the Chamber of Commerce and Opportunity Austin and Austin Women in Technology, if we do it right and we all work together, we create and, and continue to create this vibrant community where technology professionals and the companies that they work for are going to be able to thrive and grow. I, I love all of that. Thanks for sharing that with our listeners. Um, how about other cities? Are there Are there things like Austin Technology Council in other cities? And if not, should there be? Is this something you would encourage cities that don't have one to replicate? And are there cities that already have it that you look to and exchange ideas with for how to build strong, collaborative, well-networked tech ecosystems? Jay, that is a great question. And the thing that amazes me as I'm meeting with leaders in this community is they don't realize that other cities do have technology councils and other cities are working to grow themselves as technology hubs and and along along the lines of what we've done for the past 30 years we sort of wrote a playbook and there's a lot of cities that are now starting to follow it and having amazing success uh there's 100 technology councils in North America and the United States and Canada 
and 66 of them belong to technology councils of North America. It's called Techna. And I'm a believer throughout my career that if, if you want to find success, you can't just reinvent the wheel. You can't pretend, stick your head in the ground and think you're the only ones. So I got really involved a year ago with, with Techna and I've been to a couple of meetings and I got some mentors from some of these other councils. But you know, some of these councils have over a thousand members. They have 18 people on staff. And, you know, I'm, I'm a one man show right now. And we have a couple of hundred members and a lot of these cities, it's amazing to see how their technology community, and that's everybody from the tech companies, the tech enabled companies and the solution providers have come together to really work, to promote, you know, what they need to get their ecosystems up and going. And so there's some that are huge and thriving. Most of them are smaller and, and one man shows, but I'll tell you what, I'm competitive. I believe Austin should have the, the the technology council that other cities, other technology councils want to benchmark against. And that's why, you know, I'm out meeting with leaders in the community, trying to get them to, to want to participate in sort of revamping what we're doing, because, you know, Austin shouldn't come in second or third to anybody uh, when it comes to our community and the vibrant, uh, you know, uh, ecosystem that we have here. Yeah, we're not good at being number two or three in things. We like to best live music, best breakfast tacos, best brisket, best, you know, this, that, and the other. But but my real question there was, and, and thank you for that answer, was isn't this something that should be everywhere? It sounds like lots of cities do have technology councils. And the reason I ask that, I know that you care about this and so do I, is that technology expertise is advancing so rapidly. And many of the interesting problems facing businesses and government and research and education are really multi-technology solutions. And if you don't have a place where you can network and collaborate and, and help keep abreast of all of the technologies and which may play a role in your own mission or your own business objectives, you're going to fall behind. We all need a way to, in this world of exponentially increasing knowledge and information, to to keep up and that people can often help you keep up and understand what you should pay attention to that maybe you weren't yesterday, but that your company might need tomorrow. So I, I really see a huge importance in what you do. And I'm glad to hear that this is a model that that many cities are embracing in order to have all of their constituents keep up in technology. Well, and, and one of the things we want to have is a um, an umbrella that stretches over all things that are tech because tech means a lot of different things. If you think back, and, and I don't think you're as old as I am, but if you think back 20 years, we used to call it high tech, right? It was the high tech industry. We had the high tech happy hour. Nobody calls it high tech anymore because everything is tech and tech gets into different things. The Oregon Technology Council, one of their big supporters, in fact, one of their biggest supporters is Nike. And I'm like, Nike? And then he starts explaining how Nike is a tech company and oh, you know, yeah, what they, what, how they use technology and how they create their own technology to be able to design and market and do all the things that they do. So the way we look at tech is definitely changing. So we want to have that umbrella that everybody touches. Now, there's a time and a place for fintech people to get together with fintech people and biotech people to get together with biotech people. But if we live in these silos then I think, I think we missed the boat. And that's why the Austin Technology Council is trying hard to have these conversations sort of across all the disciplines. Yeah, 100%. That's the Austin Forum on Technology and Society, your Austin Technology Council. We're very fortunate here to have a few organizations that look at different layers of that ecosystem, but that bring different domains, different areas of expertise, different technologies together, and, and many different kinds of companies that use one or 
many of those technologies together. And I think there used to be competition between the different business groups that, that served Austin. And I think this happens in other communities. And I think that's one of the things that we're working to myself, you, several other organizations are really working towards a one Austin idea. We all have agendas and things that we offer, but if you have an event, I should be promoting it in my newsletter because my members and the people who are on my mailing list, they probably need to know what the, the Austin forum is doing because I can't do it all and I shouldn't do it all. So I try to promote other people's events and in turn, I try to ask them to promote ours um, so that we can share in this, letting everybody know there's a lot of things that you can do to get networked, to get connected, to find advisors, to find mentors, to find investors. There's all so many places that you can go. And if people just live in one, then I think they miss out. I agree. I, I, the, especially when it comes to events, everybody is so busy these days that you shouldn't think of some other group as replicating what you're doing. Their events are probably on different days and different times. And no one person could probably attend all of the possible events, but but they can attend some. And if we share these events with uh, across the whole community, people can go to the ones that they need to go to that fit their schedule. And they have better opportunities to find out, okay, I'm trying to learn more about AI or I need to meet with other folks in biotech. What's the total you know, calendar of those events going on across these organizations and which ones can I can I actually make it to to meet new people and learn new things? So I'm glad we're all good about that. Um, I want to ask you a little bit about you already addressed it, that you have lots of different kinds of members. Some are tech companies, some are companies using tech. I'm sure you have many different scales of members from startup to, to probably global companies that have uh, probably joined multiple tech councils in different cities as well. Can you describe the makeup of your members in Austin Technology Council and how that's evolving? Absolutely. Well, our, our focus, I would say, and, and we do, we want everybody involved. We want to be that thread that runs through everybody. Our focus is sort of those established growth-oriented companies in tech here in Austin. So I call it, I don't know, I'm making this up, but 10 to 300 employees, they have a product. Uh, they may still be seeking funding, but they're shipping product. They're making a profit. They're they're actually, you know, a working, creating, you know, uh, creating their product or their service and putting it out there. Now, startup community, we want them because some of them will grow into that area and some of them, you know, it's not their first startup. It's not their first you know, time in this game. So we want some of those leaders, as many of them who want to be part of what we do, to be part of the council. And then you have the homegrown and the multinationals that have large, you know, I'll call them the large employers that are here in Austin. We want them involved too. So we want everybody to be supportive and involved, but our focus is really helping more of those established growth-oriented companies get to that next level. And how can we do that, you know, through education, through networking, through access. Uh, so we, we have everybody. Uh, we also have some of the solution providers that, you know, help everybody do what it is that they do. So we have law firms and banks who support us and underwrite us and help us, you know, as partners to be able to, to pull off the things that we're doing. But our focus is the tech companies and now these tech-enabled companies um, who are growth oriented. Great. Um, I'm going to shift gears now a little bit, Tom, now that our listeners know a bit more about you and about Austin Technology Council and, and what makes it, how it works, what makes it important, why this is, is necessary, or at least highly advantageous for communities to have this and get this networking collaboration going. Let's talk about technology itself and have a little fun. <laughs> so first of all, Gen AI is all over the news. What AI? Yeah, everything. I, I, I'm it's sure all, AI all of your all members the time are right talking now. about generative AI and 
you know, it's hard to believe that chat GPT just launched uh, on November 30th of last year. So it hasn't even been a year. There's many generative AI tools up there. Before we get to other buzzy techs, what are you most excited about your members doing with generative AI? So I'm seeing a lot of companies, both members and companies I'm talking to about membership, who are actually building on top of chat GPT. So they're offering something that is is not just, hey, write me an article or, or, or do this. They're actually creating products and services that sit on top using the database from ChatGPT and other generative AI services that are coming out. And uh, they're building other things on it. So it's amazing the level of in-depth search and the the discovery of knowledge that can come out, you know, through the different types of prompts and the different types of things that people are doing. So there's a lot of companies that are building things um you know, that is their product sits on top. There's also a lot of companies who are using it inside their current operations to be able to make sure that they're streamlining what they're doing. So I think that, you know, the generative AI, you know, both as we get it as consumers through chat GPT or the others, or new services and products that are coming out that are building on what's there. I think it's exciting because if you think about it, you know, Google search has gotten to the point where you know, mostly ads and people who have really good SEO. So you can't always find what it is you're looking for. Now, ChatGPT, it can't give you anything from the current web because it only goes back two years, but eventually it's going to get there. Eventually you're going to be able to ask questions and it's going to be able to get, you know, answers that were posted, you know, yesterday or the day before. And so I think that's exciting as well because it changes the way we search for information and knowledge and discovery. So, so that part I like, and it's fun to see how the different companies are using it. Tom, I, I was actually going to give that answer myself to this question, but you did such a great job. The only thing I'll add there is there's multiple large language models that are being used, not just chat GPT. Right. Some of them have more up to date, you know, recent training runs and all of them will update periodically over time. But I also am really uh, loving that people are using the large train model because of its tremendous general knowledge and language skills, and it just communicates with real people much more like a real person. So people don't have to be computer experts or SEO experts or anything like this to, to use these to get the information they want. But then that they're training it, as you said, with specific known factual information about their company, their business, uh, wh whatever it may be, that improves the use for a specific set of customers or clients. And that, of course, is one of the the challenges of the LLMs trained over a global internet of information, not all of which is accurate. Uh, and of course, there's built in, you know, accuracy issues with large language models in general and token prediction. But when you add and tune the training to very specific information that is known to be correct and factual, you, you get the benefits of conversational language and then the benefits of using that conversational language with factual information, and that is great. So I think what I'll add to you um, to, to that is I'm also excited about the use of it in coding. Again, you can't guarantee the code output will always be right, but you have a compiler if you're developing code, so you, you can always test it and debug it, but it gives coders such a good head start in many cases, and we're in the early days of using it as a coding copilot. In fact, Microsoft's GitHub one is called copilot. And I, I said, I like that term. I like the terminology copilot. And then you said Microsoft already is using that, but I love that. That's a perfect example of how it is. A, yeah, it's a collaborative AI tool. tools are. Yeah, it's a, it's it really in writing and coding and all of these things that should be thought of as a collaborative tool. 
Humans still have a role to play in, in designing the prompts and evaluating the outputs, improving the outputs, and so on. But uh, I'm, I'm really excited about how it's going to, I hope, enable a lot more people to be better and faster coders, still have to debug, still have to verify and whatnot. But it might just increase the productivity of coders, and it might lead to a larger number of coders who realize wow, it's pretty easy to generate basic codes with this, so I'm going to learn more and create more advanced ones. Um, let me move on to the non-generative AI question. Outside of that field, what technology are you hearing the most buzz about as we close out this uh, summer and head into the last third of the year? God, there's just so many different things. Obviously, you know, there's a lot of buzz around quantum computing. Uh, you know, that's going to change everything if it all comes to fruition of what they say it's going to do. There's still, you know, talk a little bit around blockchain and what that means and not so much even around crypto, but around other things like around Web uh, Web 3 and stuff and how, you know, you're able to use uh, the blockchain to do that. I hear a little bit in manufacturing and we don't have a lot of it here, but there's a couple in product lifecycle management software. So people who are able to build digital twins around uh, what they're doing in manufacturing so that later they can go back and create spare parts, uh, you know, even 20, 30 years later, everything is right there and easily accessible um, for, you know, manufacturers to have that life cycle of a product so that it can be extended with parts that wear out and things along those lines. So I find that interesting, although I don't know much about it. Uh, so those are sort of the the things. Oh, the other thing is, is we keep all these autonomous car companies that are out there. Austin apparently is very friendly to them because a lot of them are opening offices in Austin. So I think autonomous driving is another thing we hear a lot about. And every now and then you see the cars running around at night by the university. Yeah, no, I, I agree. All those are really interesting topics. I'm, I'm, I'm probably biased because I'm spending a lot of time learning quantum computing and preparing, developing a couple of projects in that space. But I'm really hearing a lot of buzz about it now. And it's, it's not that it's ready to go mainstream. It's that we're beginning to see how even the prototype hardware can do such amazing things for certain niche problems that it can be useful before it's enterprise ready. Yep. It will be ready for certain niche enterprise applications long before all of these companies are installing quantum computing systems on their own floor. And that's still important. It's kind of changed my perspective on what production ready means, right? But um, maybe production ready, the, the definition should be extended to if somebody else is operating it and they can help me use it just for one really important application and I can get results that can be provably useful, is is that production ready? And and, and maybe it is. So I, I think I have some, you know, sort of a near-term optimism for quantum as well as the, the realistic objective longer-term view that it may be 10 years before many companies own their own quantum computing system. I, I, I agree with you on that. And the other thing, like you said, you're, you're diving in to learn it. I've got my toe in the water because I find it fascinating, but uh, it's a little bit over my head from the standpoint of the pure you know, physics of it and, and everything else that I'm like, I, I, I don't get it. But as I've learned throughout my life, I don't have to understand everything yeah. know, to be able to use it and to be able to, to be you know pro what they're doing. The other thing that comes up a lot in Austin right now is biotech. Now, 30 years ago, we were talking about growing biotech and, and med tech here in Austin, um, and that's getting a lot of buzz right now, too. So I think now with the the, the, the medical school here and the different things, maybe we're ready to uh, actually expand that in a big way. And that would be interesting because I think that's a, a really positive industry. So that's another one that gets a lot of buzz around Austin right now. Yeah, and my second one that is uh, I'll bring up more on the national and global scale that's getting a lot of buzz 
Um, not not as much as it should perhaps, but I'm starting to see a lot as digital twins. So we've been do, using computers to do simulation of physical phenomena since we invented the first computer. But digital twins really take this another step um, with real-time integration of data, with really trying to create a, a complete or near complete mapping of a digital model to a physical model. Um, that we have a conference in Austin coming up uh, in a month, the Applied Intelligence Live. And yep. uh, one of the, the fathers of digital twins is gonna be one of the speakers at that. So I'm really happy to see that we have enough computational capability, algorithmic improvements, uh, enough attention in this area that people are thinking in terms of not just simulating aspects of physical phenomena, but truly making digital twins of them that we can then use to predict what will happen to the physical version under different circumstances. So I, I'm really excited about that as well. Um, let me ask you about maybe name one technology that you think just isn't getting nearly enough buzz and, and maybe that'll change soon, but at least right now you feel like is not getting the buzz it deserves relative to the potential it has for business and society. So I think green tech, I think, you know, things around the you know, ecology and, and around the environment, I think are, are super important. And we hear a little bit here and there, but I don't think enough is being said about that. I, I believe that we have really smart people in Austin and around the world who work in technology. And like I said, I think that you know, these technologists can have an impact. They can really change the world. And we have some serious climate problems and we have some problems in our ecology. So I think that I wish green tech got uh, sort of a more positive uh, buzz and that more people were putting to, with the brain power that I don't have, we're putting their their brains to that. So I think that's a, a one that I would kind of go with that I wish was getting more. And then the other thing is, is, I think we're due for the new, new thing when it comes to social media. You know, I think that a lot of the social media that we've used for the past 15 years you know, through algorithms and advertising and everything else kind of jumped the shark, you know, in, in some aspects. But I think that that connectivity, that human connection piece, I'm pro showing up in person at live events for my organization, your organization, everybody else. But there is something to be said that maybe it's time that, that something new comes along in the world of social media that, you know, can be the next, next thing. It's funny that you say that I have a little startup idea in that and I don't know if I'll ever deliver on it, but I've been talking to people about it lately and maybe you and I should talk outside of this podcast about that I'd be I'd love to pick your brain about it. Um, but I agree with you overall social media. Um, it certainly has gotten stagnant and we've got competitors that are almost identical to each other and, and not seeing a lot of innovation there just to focus on attention and eyeballs and, and advertising dollars. Um, I'm the, the technology that I'm going to respond to this question with is synthetic biology. Um, there's nobody, I think, that once they understand what synthetic biology is, wouldn't agree that it's one of the most important technologies for the for humanity and the planet in the decades ahead. But I don't feel like it's gotten quite the buzz it deserves. It's and, and it ties in nicely with AI. And I would argue that along with AI, it's the most important emerging technology of our time. It we are learning how to write the code of life. And as we do this, we will be able to develop new kinds of organisms and, and achieve new uh, material science uh, capabilities. And so um, I really think synthetic biology is gonna be, especially coupled with AI, the key to finding cures for current ailments that have, we, that have evaded us so far, for improving the human condition, but also addressing 
plants that can take more carbon out of the air. You mentioned green tech and so many other things that I'm, I'm really excited about the prospects for synthetic biology. And I'm not a biologist. My background is physics and astronomy, but um, I think if I could do it all over again, I'd really want to be an AI synthetic biologist right now. I, and I think in the coming years, that is the technology that's really going to show a lot of innovations that matter to people, that matter to planet. And I think the buzz for that is, I'm hopeful it's right around the corner. I hope that if I ask you this question next year, that's the answer to the first question, not the <laughs> third in this Buzzy Topics uh, set. Um, let me uh, uh, ask you a final question here. Um, we always close our, these interviews with asking, what is your set of recommendations for our listeners? So in this case, what is your what are your top recommendations for tech leaders right now as we close out August 2023? What advice would you give your top one, two or three um, morsels of advice you'd give to companies about technology now and what they should be doing to close out 2023 strong and really enter 2024 with maximum productivity and maximum potential for innovation? Well, I'm going to go back to what I've spoken about and written about for 15 plus years. And that is that, you know, all opportunities in life really come from people. And I think one of the problems that we've encountered is, is that we've gotten more siloed. And one of the things that Austin bragged about for 30 years, 20 years anyway, was that we weren't like the Valley in the fact that everybody could sort of reach everybody. And if you showed up at the, you know, four seasons, you would accidentally run into somebody. And, you know, that, that there was this serendipity of our, of our human connection, our network, you know, all of that. And I think that a couple of things happened. One is we absorbed nearly a million people the last eight to 10 years, and it's hard to absorb that many people. I mean, that's a, a third of our, you know, population or, or more than a third of our population, you know, has arrived in the last 10 years. And with that, not everybody can know everybody. And so that that's a part of the problem. Plus we have the geography spread. So you can't get any, when I was, you know, working at the chamber of commerce 30 years ago, you could go to a happy hour at the four seasons and hit the tail end of the happy hour that was at the Renaissance in the Arboretum. Well, now you might as well be flying to Dallas. You can't get from downtown to the Arboretum or the domain at 5.30, 6.30 at night. So there's reasons why I think that we aren't as connected as as an overall ecosystem. One is it's just bigger. I mean, it was one thing when the you know the tech community was hundreds of people. Now it's tens of thousands. You know, million people working in tech here. So I think that one of the things that that leaders should do is make sure they're getting out more. I think it's really important that you know when uh, I talk to a, like a CEO of a, of a company and he's like, yeah, I don't go to anything in the community. I don't go to ATC. I don't go to the tech forum. I don't go to the, anything the chamber does because my venture capitalist or my law firm does a curated dinner of just 20 C-level executives who are funded. And they say, I, I just want to be around people like me. That's awesome. There is a time and a place to go to a dinner with 20 C-level executives who are a lot like you. Awesome. But there's also a reason why you show up in the community and go to that high that tech happy hour or or go to you know listen to some speaker and just show up now that people are busy you can't do it all the time but i think every leader in every tech company once a month should be showing up at something they, they can pick one organization and and get involved serve on the board and go to all those things which many of my board members have chosen the austin technology council and that's what they do uh, or they could one month go to your event one month go to my event next month go to somebody else's event but I think if you're not getting out and networking in sort of the old school physical showing up at some event, I think maybe 
the serendipity that could come your way is is left behind. So that would be my advice is more FaceTime with with people you don't know because some of them will become people you know. I, I couldn't imagine a better recommendation in closing for a podcast episode than that. That was fantastic. I hope our listeners that are in the Austin area will absolutely attend the Austin Technology Council events, Austin Forum events, as well as Austin Women in Technology events, Chamber of Commerce events, uh, the various conferences in town, uh, listeners elsewhere. You have the same kinds of organizations in your town. And some of our events are also streamed as well. So um, find events, streaming stream events if the topic is right for you and make sure you're getting diverse expertise from different places. But like Tom said, get out and meet people that maybe you wouldn't have met before, but they have different expertise, different perspectives, and you never know where that will lead you. One of the things we found in the Austin Forum is that uh, a fifth of all people in it are already collaborating with people that they've met through the Austin Forum that they didn't expect to uh, have any reason for collaborating with until they attended, and that half of them believe they'd met future collaborators and that it was just a matter of time. So I'm sure you're seeing that in your events as well. It really pays off to get out. So please support Austin Technology Council events. Uh, I hope to see you at Austin Forum events as well. And Tom, by the way, how can we give this advice without you and I making plans to have a beer or coffee or something together? We probably need to do that soon. <laughs> I would love to do that. And I would love for anybody who is in the C-suite of a company to make sure they mark November 6th. That is our C CEO C-suite summit. Um, we'll have 150 tech leaders come together to talk about all of these types of issues and listen to a couple of speakers, but also have that chance to, to really convene. That's not a meeting for our salespeople or our marketing friends. That is just for the people who are in the C-suite of from startup to multinational company. We want to have all kinds of people at that event. Great. Tom, thank you so much for being with us today. I look forward to seeing you in person sometime soon Let's and do it. seeing lots of our listeners, hopefully at our events. Thanks for listening to the Austin Forum Upload. You can listen to additional episodes and check out a schedule of our monthly in-person events at austinforum.org. The Upload is a production of the Austin Forum on Technology and Society, a nonprofit organization here in Austin, Texas.